My first guest is a fascinating person and has done it all. He's a doctor, he's a CEO, he's a venture capitalist, and he's a former astronaut. So please welcome my mentor and friend, Dr. Bernard Harris. Bernard, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, doing okay. Doing all right. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure. All right. Now, you've done some and are doing some amazing things from right now. You're the CEO of the National Math and Science Initiative. You uh, own your own venture capital firm, Vesalius Ventures, and you're on a board of several uh, corporations and organizations. One thing I want to focus on, something that's did is very unique and uh, very fascinating to people all over the world, is what you, you've done in the past. And I wanted you to see if you can tell everybody what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can venture a guess. Is, is it uh, <laughs> the astronaut thing? <laughs> yeah, it is that thing, the astronaut thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know. Yeah, I, I always uh, like to tell people who who ask me, you know, all the things that I've done um, about being an astronaut, and, and I, I would say that out of all the the dreams uh, that I have had and all the accomplishments, it really was kicked off by me looking at Neil Armstrong and Buzz mm-hmm. Aldrin at 13 years old walking mm-hmm. on the moon and saying, you know what, I want to follow in their footsteps. Mm. And that's kind of how, how, you know, this idea of dreaming big began. And eventually, you know, I did follow in their footsteps and and did become an astronaut. Well, that's great. Well, I hope some 13-year-olds are listening to this podcast and listening to you and same thing happens. So now now with that, you 13 years old, you get inspired to do this. Um, Now, you were selected by NASA in January of 1990, correct? Yep, that's correct. All right. And tell us about that. Now, how did that happen? Your feelings? How did that just talk about that a little? Well, you know, it, it happened because it was sort of intentional. Um, when I decided that I wanted to be an astronaut and figure out you know, what field that I would go into that would lead me to the point where I could you know, be qualified to apply. And I chose uh, medicine in part because I knew as a kid that I like helping people. But also, when I researched NASA, I found out there was a guy by the name of Joe Kerwin, who was the first American physician to become an astronaut and fly in space, and Mm. that sort of set me on on that course. But, you know, as you're alluding to, um, you know, it's a lot of education to get there. You need to have at least a master's degree in some type of STEM field in order to apply. And in 1989, I applied, and uh, in 19, you know, January 1990, got the call that I had been selected. Now, there were over 6,000 applicants, and they selected wow. in my class 23 of us. Wow. All right. And so you're selected. And let's see, your first flight was, was at the Columbia? That you're on oh, board? Columbia. The, uh, yeah. Okay. So first flight on Columbia. What was that like? So, like, like for everything, for like from takeoff, how did that, how did that, how did you feel on the takeoff? And what was your, I want to like take you back to that time and what you felt going into there, yeah. going up, everything. Yeah. 
So, you know, all of my sort of education and uh, had led up to this point on mm-hmm. the, the day that we, we launched, which was uh, many years ago uh, on board Columbia, as you talked about, in 1993. We uh, go, we put on our, our special suits called launch and entry suits. They weigh about 120 pounds. And we wear these suits because in the shuttle, in case something happens, like the Challenger accident on the way up, we're able to bail out. It has a parachute and we're able to land. And I describe that because it's a bulky suit and probably your listeners have probably seen astronauts that were walking out to the launch pad. And I also bring that up because that is during the time where, you know, as an astronaut, you're saying to yourself, wow, okay, I finally made it. I'm here. And we get out of the astro van and we're at the base of the launch tower and rising up above us 150 feet Mm -hmm. in the air. In this case, first mission was the space uh, shuttle Columbia, and we right. get into an elevator and go up to about the hundred, you know, twenty foot level, you know, just below the, the the top of the rocket. And one by one, we go into the vehicle, and with the help of suit technicians, get into our seat and get ourselves positioned uh, to be buttoned up and, and ready to go. Mm. There are a couple of things in uh, along that sequence where you have a pause. So the first pause is an astronaut standing at the launch tower looking up. The second pause is when the suit technicians are all done and they close the hatch of the door and know that all the systems are ready to go and you're locked in. And I remember thinking, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) But they had locked the vehicle from the outside. So, you know, you can't really get, get out. You're stuck. You're stuck and in it. The, and then the second point, a third point, I think, at that is is when you get the go for launch. So mm. the go mission control goes through a whole sequence where they check out all the systems, and if all the systems check out okay, then you go for launch. And when you get that call to go for launch, you then lower your visors on your helmet, turn on your oxygen, and you know that you're about to leave the planet. Mm. And at T minus five mm. seconds, the main engine's light produce one and a half million pounds of thrust. The whole vehicle just shakes. And at this point, you're not moving because you don't have enough thrust to lift this five million pound vehicle. And what wow. you need are the booster rockets that kick in at T minus zero, another six million pounds of thrust. And with combined, you get to seven and a half million pounds of thrust. And when that happens, you get catapulted off the launch tower and into space. By the time we clear the launch tower, we're going faster than the speed of sound, 750 miles an hour, even though it looks like we're going slowly on into space. Within two minutes, which is called our first stage, we reach a speed of 2,500 miles an hour, uh, 100,000 miles above the Earth. And now... Since we have passed most of the atmosphere, we just speed up. And the next part of the ride is just us holding on until we get to orbit. Another six and a half minutes, total eight and a half minutes to get to orbit and just sort of to finish this sequence. When I got out of my seat, once the main engines cut off and floated up to the window to look out, we were coming up on the shore of England. So think Mm. about that. Lifted off from Florida. Yeah, entirely over the Atlantic Ocean, coming up on the coastline of Europe. Wow. And 
eight and a half minutes at 250 nautical miles above the earth. Wow. So a, a couple questions with that. One, what was your what did it feel like uh, blasting off that that fast from from the planet? What was that feeling just uh, blasting off that fast? So when the engine's light, you get pushed back in your seat to mm -hmm. initially two and a half times your weight. We call that two mm -hmm. G's. So I weigh okay. about 210 pounds. So right at liftoff, it feels like I weigh 220. Yeah. And then it backs down a little bit at, uh, through first stage, as it described, you know, that first two minutes. Yeah. And then after that, that next, that first two minutes, and you get to that six and a half minutes, the vehicle is slowly accelerating. As it's accelerating, we're getting heavier and heavier. So mm. inside, you're feeling that compression on your chest. Wow. And once we get to three and a half Gs, so three and a half times your body weight pressing on your body as you're being pressed back in your seat, the engine's actually throttled down to keep us from passing out. So we throttle down and go through an area we call max, max Q. And once we get through through that, then we, you know, then you stay at that three and a half until the main engines cut off. It's a very physical ride, a very noisy ride because you're sitting mm. on, on a rocket. And so right. that's that's the experience that you have. Okay. But it all comes to a sudden stop when the main engines cut off. And now it gets extremely quiet. And then everything around you begins to float. And that's when you know you're in orbit. Now, when you're up there, you mentioned seeing being over the coast of uh, England. When you're looking down that first time on Columbia, you're looking down on Earth. What what did that do to you? Did that did you did that change like kind of your perspective on life, seeing the planet from up there? Can you just talk about that feeling, seeing that for the first time? Yeah, so you know, when you when you uh, fly one mission, you know, fly your first mission, and uh -huh. you get through that 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 energy phase, as I call it, you're so relieved that you survived <laughs> the journey. Right? And so at that point, it is, you know, you're just enamored by the view that you have of the Earth down below. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, you know, I always joke about this, but, you know, there are members of the Flat Earth Society. And you realize that the Earth is not flat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear I, that, everyone? I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> and, you know, and to your point, I think from a sort of a spiritual, emotional standpoint, it really didn't hit me until my second mission oh, okay. when I had an opportunity to go outside of the vehicle when I did a spacewalk. Right. And we had finished all of our activities, and I got a chance to just take it all in and look down at the Earth. You know, first my crew members in the spaceship, and then the spaceship going around the Earth. And I don't think I mentioned, but the speed in order to stay in orbit around the Earth is 17,500 miles an hour. And so as long as we stay close to that speed, we will stay away from the Earth. We'll be in orbit around the Earth. And so the spaceship is traveling at that speed. We're traveling with it. And then you're looking down on the Earth. And then behind the Earth is a sea of stars. It's a 
incredible view. Oh man, that um, that is hard to describe. If you um, people have probably gone to an IMAX movie, and that's mm. probably the closest in terms of the immenseness of the view that you have and the colors, but not even an IMAX camera can capture the colors that your eyes do and all right. the transitions and shifts and, and, and coloration. It's beautiful. That's amazing. Now, the the second flight you mentioned, I think it was the uh, first flight with a joint Russian-American space program. Okay. Yep. Now, with that one, what... How was that like having that joint mission in it? Was it uh, or joint program space program? in? was there any fr- friction between the, the two countries or just just fellow scientists trying to complete a mission? Yeah. So that mission was in 1995 and um, it was on the hills of Russia going through its, I should say, the Soviet Union going right. through its transition to become now Russia again. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the issue, you know, the the uh, political social issue was what happens to Russia? You know, we we need to support her in this transition. And one of the ways in which we supported her, it was to join in with our program. Uh, so we, we had the, the Russian uh, U.S. program and we were part of that. And as part of that, we were on the first mission to go to the Russian space station. And so I felt very honored to be that first crew to go and visit the, the Russian station. And the other special thing for me in the visit to the station is um, I actually captured a photo of the guy who spent the most time in space, 422 days, and that's Dr. Polinikov, mm. who also was a medical doctor. And so it was kind of neat to, to have that. Um, have that experience and then also to we we captured you know the damage that spaceflight causes on vehicles that are in orbit around the earth um, because that station had been up at that time about 11 years and so mm. as we as we you know transitioned around it I took a bunch of pictures and you can see gaping holes in the solar panels and the radiator panels were meteors that hit this vehicle wow. over the, the 11 years and it was still intact. Wow. How, uh, how big is this? I'm thinking, about, I'm just thinking about like meteors. If you, if you take the size of the, the vehicle, about the size of a football field, Okay. Okay. With the, with the solar arrays and all that sort of thing, it had several modules and things to it. It has special covering for the for the part of the module that the crew is in, and it's mm-hmm. made out of, of course, titanium and steel and mm-hmm. whatever they make their vehicles. So it would take a really big meteor to, to put a hole in it. But for okay. the solar panels and for the radiators that are very thin, it it goes through fairly quickly. And many people don't know that when you're in orbit, you're above the Earth's atmosphere. So there's no protection from the meteors that hit our planet every day. You know, there are hundreds, and maybe even thousands of meteors that hit our planet every day from, you know, these pieces of rock uh, coming from uh, our solar system and elsewhere. But by the time they come into our atmosphere, though, I'm guessing 
they burn out. Completely different, and they burn out. Okay. They, they, yep. they burn up. So a falling star, we think, call that yep. a falling star. It's not really a star at all. It's just a big chunk of rock that mm. hits our atmosphere and burns up on the way in. Okay. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now with that, can you talk about your your training that led you up to this? So you see some you see some of that training on Hollywood, some of the what the astronauts go through. From your your words, what were your training like? So when you when you become an astronaut, you go through two years of basic training where you mm-hmm. learn how to fly jets. Um, you learn how to survive in different environments. So we go through different survival, you know, winter survival, uh, desert survival, and just basic mm. survival techniques. Just in case if you, you come down and you and you don't come down where you think you should, you should be able to, to protect yourself, whether it's in the ocean or anywhere on our planet. And then we we spend a lot of time just learning um, about uh, basic science uh, principles. So, so we okay. will take a course on geology or planetary science, on um, on um, oceanography, you, you name it, we, we get it. And uh, on electrical systems, on healthcare for those who are not medical doctors like, like me. And uh, it's probably the, the most comprehensive education that I've, that I've ever done. And then you train for mm. your mission, specific training. So you get basic training on how to fly the shuttle, how to fly jets. But then when you're selected for a mission, you get mission specific training and that depends on the experiments that are going to be conducted on the mission and, um, you know, how much time that needs to be, be, be done. And typically it takes two to three years for, mis- for mission-specific training oh, wow. before, you go- before you even go into orbit. So the basic training is two years. And then for any of your missions, those mis- the specific mission training is at least two years. Two to three years, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Now, you mentioned how uh, you were a little different. You have your medical degree, and the steps you took uh, to get there are a little different. But what skill sets in general and characteristics do you think are needed for someone to be a successful uh, astronaut or to be an astronaut in general? Yep. So um, the the basic requirement, educational requirement, is at least a master's degree and three to five years of experience. You know, okay. so if you're a mechanical engineer, they just don't want a mechanical engineer out of college. They want that person to have gone and maybe work for a company or work for a space agency to have that type of experience. Uh, same thing for a medical doctor. Just don't want a, someone that went to medical school and, and, and uh, had no experience. So you either have clinical experience or research experience. So it really depends. And, and it's not that, you know, you have to major in a specific thing because we have a lot of different professions that are represented in the, in the astronaut corps. We have veterinarians who are, are part of that because, you know, we take animals and things on, on board wow. uh, okay. as an example. Lots of engineers. There are two uh, flavors of astronauts, mission specialists which I was, which is sort of the science, scientist astronaut part, and yeah. then a uh, pilot, so an astronaut mm. pilot. And those are the guys who specifically will fly the shuttle. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Can you talk about what you love or what you loved about being an astronaut? Mm. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but the, the, the gain in knowledge, the, the mm. uh, ability to learn uh, things that I didn't know before, I think, was was really remarkable and be able to develop certain skill sets that that you don't normally get if you you know just living on the planet right and yeah. then the experience of just space flight and yeah. being able to do something very few people have done and be able to look at the earth as uh i think god sees the, sees the yeah. earth right in its totality right. which is kind of it's kind of neat and and probably my most um um, notable experience was to uh, be able to, to go out and do the spacewalk. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That, that was cool. Uh, and on that walk, I, I think they, if I'm correct, it was the first woman to, to go out in space, the first British born astronaut to be out in space and you, the first African American as well. Mm-hmm. To walk That's in space. Right. Yeah. yeah. To walk in space. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There were, there were, right. there were a bunch of firsts on that mission. Nice. All right. Now, what about challenges? What challenges were there or, or obstacles? Yeah, I think that um, the main thing is just the, in terms of education, it's just the sheer volume of information that you have to consume. Yeah. The um, physical requirements that of, of being an astronaut, you know, in preparation for liftoff and the physical toll that it takes on the body in orbit. You know, when we are in space, um, the body tries to adapt to the environment, and we call it space adaptation syndrome, where we lose muscle and bone, our heart gets smaller, our immune system is um, uh, muted in a sense. It doesn't go away, but it's not able to fight off illnesses like we are here on, on Earth. And all that is due to uh, the loss of gravity and being in that microgravity environment. And it takes its toll on the body. And so those astronauts who are staying up for six months and some even longer, uh, when they come back, they have, you know, the bone loss, the muscle loss. Um, they're exhausted. And, you know, from, from that, from that experience. And so that's a, uh, that's a challenge. And then I would say in terms of, you know, just being a, uh, a black person, you know, being involved in, in this industry, you know, it's no different than, you know, any other industries out here. There are certain expectations that others have have of us. And, you know, during these times, um, you know, discussion around there, this is pretty, pretty relevant. And so my my charge, I think all of our charge, is to remind others who are not, not like us, that are not in our skin, that we are just as capable as, as they are and uh, capable of you know, whatever is required of us and to, to meet those same challenges and mm -hmm. uh, can be just as productive as they are uh, if they will allow us to do that like that all right 
Now, you, you spoke about the physical toll on your body uh, while you're out there. So uh, a couple questions on that. How how much flight time did you have in, in total? Do you know? And and the other is, uh, and the other is, were you able to do? Are you able to do any exercising or anything uh, for your body uh, in space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we um, before I became an astronaut, I ran the um, uh, crew healthcare system in mm-hmm. uh, specifically the exercise countermeasure facility. I mentioned about all the changes that go on with the human body. One way in which you can prevent some of that is exercise. So I helped to develop uh, the exercise equipment that's currently on the International Space Station. Oh, nice. It's been really kind of kind of cool to be a nice contributor. And so it has been um, just wonderful to look back at, you know, that sort of contribution to to uh, space flight that's been, yeah. been, been wonderful. Nice. All right. And then your most memorable moment, you you mentioned earlier that was the spacewalk, which definitely would be your most memorable. Any other moments that stick out? Um, I would say my experience in um, being involved with international missions, both of them were international missions. And so to have the opportunity to live in Europe, was incredible. It's the first time I've ever lived out of the country. And then the opportunity to be, you know, part of the uh, crew that went to Russia for the for the first time. Got it. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, this has been great. I want to ask these uh, quick hitter questions right now to just get to know you better. But before I do that, is there anything that you think I might have left out asking you or anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we've covered, we've covered, covered quite a bit. Okay. All right. So, one, what's your favorite sports team? Uh, that <laughs> would have to be the Rockets. All right. I like it. Uh, what's your favorite movie or show? Favorite movie would be um, Star Wars. My favorite yeah. television show would be Star Trek. Now, before I get to the, the next one, any movies out there, any space movies about space that did it right? That oh, you nice. think about, you watch, and you say, <laughs> wow, they actually they did their research. They did their homework. I, I would <laughs> say uh, Apollo 13, which okay. is a good movie, and, and uh, they did enough research that, you know, it's it's believable. And, and I'm going to answer the, the question a little bit differently. What's what's my favorite space movie that didn't get it right, but it was enjoyable? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and that was oh shoot, I just lost it. It, it was uh, the one with uh, there was a meteor that was coming to strike the, uh, oh. the Earth, and and they they sent up two spaceships to yeah. uh, destroy it. And for some reason, I can't remember the name, but it'll come to me in just a second. <laughs> is that the one where the president is uh, Morgan Freeman? Yes. Or... Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember it either, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I like that one else. <laughs> okay. Favorite musical artist or group? Um, artists, I, I would say that, of all time, would probably be Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, uh, yeah. because they were just so talented. Um, yes, they were. And uh, yeah, yep. All right. Favorite vacation spot um, would be Montana. 
Um, oh, we have some nice. friends that have a ranch in Montana that we go to every few years, and it's and it's so far away from everything. When you go, you feel like you're, you're really uh, getting away. All right. And last, uh, favorite food or drink? Favorite food would be um, Mexican food, mm-hmm. and favorite drink would would be an old fashioned. Oh yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, Bernard, uh, really, thanks thanks a lot for doing this. This is great, very informative. I learned a lot on this, and uh, really good to hear your experiences and, and hear your perspective of what you've been through as an astronaut. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been a, been a pleasure, Rodolfo. Really, it's been a pleasure. All right. Good well, hey, good to see you, too. Oh, before we go, yeah. any way that uh, people can get a hold of you if, Email address so, or anything? Yep. Yeah. So I'm, uh, as you said at the beginning, I'm CEO of the National Math and Science yep. Initiative. So my email there is bharris at nms.org. So Great. N as in National Math and Science, so nms.org. Great. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. All Talk right. To you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.